Hello and welcome to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in association with BT Sport. Coming up, Marseille's miserable week is capped off with a defeat by Paris Saint-Germain in Le Classique. Lille and Lyon march on at the top and Alexander Golovin is Monaco's hat-trick hero as the title chasers just keep on winning. Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to our, all our, our loyal listeners. We've got a bumper pod coming up for you, um, including the results of our competition. A piece of de, de pie, a piece of de pie, sorry. Uh, you can win Memphis de pie shirt. We've had some wonderful commentary entries. We'll be playing some of them a bit later. Um, to discuss the action, we've got Armel Tangi. How are you, Armel? Morning. I'm all right, thank you. And League you? League on commentator. Which uh, game or games did you commentate this weekend? Game, uh, Brest Bordeaux. Woke up nicely in the second half. Yeah, not one of our featured games, but a good win for Brest. 2-1. Yeah, understandably. Absolutely. Um, David Crossan, how are you? Yeah, very good, thanks, Matt. I hear you haven't had too much sleep since commentating Le Classique last night. Yeah, it was the Classique. It kept me up all night. Yes. <laughs> well, um, we're going to start with Le Classique, the, uh, the big game. For many years, it's been described as the biggest game on the calendar in France. Of course, PSG have dominated it so much in the last 10 years or so, and... Uh, well, Dave, I mean, this was a special game because Marseille had had a, an unbelievable week. Um, I think eight days before the Classic, they had their training ground uh, uh, stormed by around 300 supporters. Their game against Rennes was, uh, was called off. Andre Villas-Boas resigned. Um, before we hear your commentary, Dave, uh, it wasn't ideal preparation from Marseille, was it? Not at all, but uh, I, I quite like what Nasser Lage was able to do in a very short space of time. He comes across as an avuncular figure, uh, a 62-year-old Moroccan, very calm. I've never seen him really express an emotion so far in the two games that he's had on the touchline. He seems to be quite close to his players and the supporters groups were invited up to La Commanderie, the Centre Robert-Louis Dreyfus, the Marseille training centre at the end of the week and were able to have... Uh, much calmer discussions with the, the Marseille first-team squad. So pre-match, it was all about trying to calm things down. Well, we'll talk about what is going on exactly at Marseille. But uh, first of all, we'll, we'll listen to the action. In case you missed it, by the way, um, the first game after Villas-Boas' resignation finished 2-2. Marseille going two up against Lens, um, but being pegged back to 2-2. Let's hear how they got on then against the French champions, Paris Saint-Germain. Rises well and Paris Saint-Germain are on the break here. Look at the pace of Mbappe outside. Di Maria. Di Maria for Kylian Mbappe. Mbappe only Mandanda to beat. And Kylian Mbappe scores his 16th of the season. He's never lost to Olympique de Marseille. And Mbappe determined to keep that run going. Good cross towards Mbappe and it's in. Knowing towards Icardi. It's off Icardi and in. Mauro Icardi's fifth goal of the season. While the Argentinian scored in the Trophée de Champions. And he has beaten Mondonda, who stood there in disbelief as the ball looped over his head. So, Dave, 2-0 to PSG. Obviously, a really important win for PSG, who stay within uh, within touching distance. They're three points behind Lille still uh, at the top. And uh, effectively, they got the job done in the first half with those goals from Mbappe and, and Icardi. But it wasn't a straightforward first half. No, Marseille played with commitment. I mean, the way they approached the game reminded me a little bit of when Villas-Boas took Marseille to the Parc des Princes. Uh, in his first season in charge, and they tried to press high, 
they tried to get into Paris Saint-Germain. They ended up losing heavily that night. It wasn't as big a scoreline on Sunday evening, though it could have been had uh, Paredes' wonderful shot gone in rather than shaving the post and had Mbappe not tried to give Neymar a belated birthday present by, when he was clean through on goal and tried to square it that couple of days after Neymar turned 29. But yeah, no, Marseille tried to make it difficult for PSG, but Sergio Rico wasn't really threatened. PSG were good value for their 2-0 lead in 25 minutes. Uh, Marseille's set pieces were incredibly disappointing. The most disappointing of the lot, of course, being the one in the ninth minute when Payet's corner was easily dealt with and PSG broke all the way down the field with uh, Mbappe setting new speed records as uh, he raced onto Di Maria's pass and smashed the ball past Mondondo. Yeah, I've, I've seen differing reports here. I've seen that he was clocked at 36 kilometres an hour, uh, Mbappe. I heard on the radio it was 38 kilometres an hour. His, his World Cup sprint against Argentina was 37. Um, Dave, can you confirm? I'm going for 37. I, 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 thought, I thought he was as quick as uh, against Argentina. You just don't want to... Everyone knows this, and Nassalage said that after the match. You just don't leave Mbappe half the pitch to run into. I don't know if you saw the stats that came out after the game, that since he joined PSG, he scored 21 goals on fast breaks like that. And no one else in the top leagues has got more than 10 or 11. And just to put that in context for people that don't have a speedometer in front of them, like when I cycle home from work, I cycle home like a bit of a nutter on cycle paths. And I usually average about 28 kilometres an hour yeah. on, and that's, Honestly, no, quite I use fast, and that's on two and going downhill, I might get up to 35. So yeah. Mbappe would still be going past me. Yeah, but Mbappe probably runs in straighter lines than you actually cycle. But I'm, I, I wanted to say, um, is that the best piece of news for Paris Saint-Germain, that Mbappe, 10 days ahead of the Barcelona game, looks like he is hitting form. And he actually said after the game that he's been pretty exhausted and he feels, he feels good again now. Is that why he went and sat in the corner <laughs> as soon as he scored his goal? Yeah, of course that's good news. You can't stop the guy when he's in form. Um, I honestly don't know what more to say about that because he's just, when he's in that sort of form, you cannot physically stop him. But he has admitted, hasn't he, that, that, that he's been struggling for form. I know we make perhaps too much of it when he goes four games without a goal. He's the top scorer again in, in Ligue 1 with, with 16. But I'll put it to you, Dave. I mean, this PSG side, Pochettino, you know, is slowly perhaps moulding a team um, in his image, it's six wins from seven games now, but it seems to be like they're trying to set themselves up as a transitioning team, a counter-attacking team. Yeah, post-match he said, you know, we've got to be able to play in different ways. And if you do get into that transitional style of play, then you play to Mbappe's strengths. You play to, to some of Neymar's strengths, Di Maria, if he's fit. And that, that's a, a big question mark, whether Di Maria will be fit for Barcelona after going off just after supplying the assist for Mbappe's goal. Um I don't think they'll play like that all the time. In in the league, they'll often have the lion's share of possession, but it could be a useful ploy for them in Europe. Now, you've got to remember that he probably wouldn't have gone with the 4-3-3 had Neymar been 100% fit. He had bout of gastroenteritis after his birthday party, so he only had a cameo role off the bench. Um, otherwise, it would have been a 4-4-2, which... Um, might be overly ambitious playing Barcelona. Maybe that's one for, for next week's pod. And just very quickly, before we talk about Marseille, um, some people complaining about the fact that, that Poch has left two of the most impressive performers um, in recent weeks on the sidelines for much of the last few weeks. So uh, I'm talking about Moyes Keane, who was scoring a lot of goals in attack. He's lost his place effectively to Icardi. But also Rafinha, who was, who was so impressive sort of in the, in the last weeks under Thomas Tuchel. Um, are you surprised about that, Armel? Particularly for Rafinha. I think Moyes Keane, it was kind of a given with um, Mario Cardi coming back and Mario Cardi being the 
deadly goal scorer that he is. We saw that again this weekend with an incredible back header. But I am a bit surprised about Rafinha because, as I mentioned in, in last week's pod, I'm not Leandro Paredes' biggest fan, or rather than not being his biggest fan. He's yet to convince me of what he brings to the team other than bite. Rafinha really is you know, someone who caresses the ball about, able to really pick a, pick a tiny hole in, in a defensive line. And I thought that the way that he sort of played in the first line of Parisian attack, which is sort of Neymar, who then plays forward to the Icardis, the Mbappes, was really handy. And um, I'm a little disappointed not to see him getting more game time because he's a lovely footballer to watch. You're listening to the unique voice of uh, the number one uh, French football commentator who is uh, half from Wales and half from Brittany, Armel Tanky on Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats uh, podcast. We've had plenty of... Uh, Emails, plenty of feedback coming in, a lot of interest uh, about Marseille, understandably so, given everything that's been going on. And of course, we're focusing our attentions on uh, who will be the next man in the or woman in the in the Marseille hot seat. Um, I know a lot of Marseille fans were hoping that Christophe Galtier would be the man to, to replace Villas-Boas perhaps in the summer, perhaps having taken Lille to the league title. We know that Galtier is from that neck of the woods. He's a former Marseille man. Um, but obviously, he's not going to be leaving Lille for, for Marseille at the moment. Richard Pike uh, is from Northwest England. I don't expect him to be in the dugout, but Richard um, is asking us what, what we think uh, in terms of uh, Villas-Boas' replacement. He says he's heard Ernesto Valverde being linked with the club, and he's asking whether David Guillon, the, uh, the Rams manager who's done so well in recent years, should be uh, in with a shout. Habib Barr has written in. He says Marseille need a firefighter, somebody who can unite the club and the fans. And we've also heard from Romuald, who is known as Frenchy in, in Detroit. Thanks for um, writing in, uh, Frenchy. Do I call you Frenchy or Romuald? Um, Romuald is suggesting Lucien Favre would be a, a good man, somebody who has knowledge of Ligue 1. He's also put Rafael Benitez forward. Um, David Crossan, um, Newcastle fan who knows Rafael Benitez very well. Well, who knows Benitez, the coach, very well. What do you think, Dave? I, I think all of those would be good for Marseille at the moment. Even David Guillon? Um, well, maybe it wouldn't be that crazy. I, I think there's so much going on in the background here that uh, an experienced coach who's still at the top of his game would look at Marseille and think that this is a club that is in turmoil where coaches don't last very long. Uh, we don't know whether there'll be a takeover. There's mentions of a, a possible Saudi takeover. We don't know what will happen with the stadium as it seems that the city of Marseille would quite like to sell the stadium. Um and so you'd look at that and you'd think, hmm, is it the right time? Because if there is a takeover, they'll want to bring in their own man, uh, a bit like the Qataris did when Antoine Combouare was in place at PSG and then brought in Ancelotti. So unless you're trying to re-establish your reputation or you just want to have a new experience, then why would you go? I mean, Benitez proved when he went to Newcastle that he's willing to try that sort of thing. But would he want to go to the south coast of France? I think he'd make sure that Marseille didn't lose games. He knows... Uh, and I don't like saying this, he knows how to get the best out of a limited group of players. Um, is there any chance that Zinedine Zidane will be out of work soon? Uh, I had him on the phone yesterday and he <laughs> said no. But um, I mean, it, it's interesting because obviously PSG have, have gone for a very good manager, no doubting that, but someone who represents the, the past of the club. And I, if I was in charge of Marseille, which I never will be, and would go for someone who has always loved the club, always proved wherever he's worked that he's loved the club. Jean-Pierre Papin. Mm, I was going Laurent Blanc. <laughs> I know he's taken a job in the Middle East, but he wants to come back to the forefront of football management, and he's Marseille through and through. So, and he's yeah, and he's proven himself more so than Jean-Pierre Papin. I don't think Papin. I've seen a better PSG team than when they played under Laurent Blanc. That's my personal opinion. But would he... Uh, 
the, the, the feeling has always been that he, you know, he, it's not that he likes easy jobs, but that he might sort of be reluctant to take on the the madness that is the the Marseille job, where you don't necessarily control everything. And the guys who have done well at Marseille, they are all a bit mad. Whether it's Eric Gerrits, um, Marcelo Bielsa, and, and more recently Vias Boas. Papin was talking this week, and I, I love it. Well, I, I'm a big fan of Jean Pierre, lovely guy, and what a player. And he was saying. I want to see uh, Zidane or Jose Mourinho at Marseille. People might say to Jean-Pierre, wake up, you're not going to get a name like that. But it is nice to think, isn't it, and to dream. Time to get Basil Bowley and Chris Waddle back together. <laughs> that didn't end very well, I did it, Dave, with that song that they made. Um, we're going to keep our eyes very much focused on what happens in Marseille. There's a, a classique from the 80s coming up this weekend, Marseille playing Bordeaux. Um, we'll talk about that a bit later but uh, let's shift our focus back to the top of the standings um Nantes were playing at home against Lille at the weekend it was on Sunday Nantes had failed to win in any of their first six games under Raymond Dominic Lille were um going into this one on the back of five straight wins and I had the pleasure of commentating the game from La Bourgeois here's Bomba Lille starting to get on top here and a great chance the opening goal for Jonathan David the Canadian with his fourth goal in five matches and Nantes punished for some very sloppy defending. Possibilities for Leo Sanchez. Back to David. Lovely finish. And that surely wraps it up. A clinical attack from Lille. And a classy finish from Jonathan David, who quite clearly has now found his feet in France. Yes, job done in the end. 2-0 thanks to Jonathan David, who's got five in five now. And... Uh, it just seems to be clicking into place, doesn't it, for Lille? They're missing Burak Yilmaz. They have been for, for a few weeks now. Uh, Yusuf Yazidji out as well. But uh, with the Turks missing, Jonathan David suddenly finding his, his scoring boots. And yeah, it was a thoroughly deserved win. I was a little bit concerned from a Lille perspective. I've commentated a lot of Lille in, in the last few weeks and they seem to get an early goal and then just play within themselves and they don't really kill games off. And in the first half against Nantes, Nantes were dreadful and you know, the only good news for them is that it was only 1-0. And yeah, in the second half, Nantes were a bit more competitive and they created a couple of chances and they, they've got to be a bit careful, Lille. They had one cleared off the line by Benjamin Andre, Menon made a save from Corsia, and then right at the end, I don't know if you've seen this goal, chaps, but the goal from Jonathan David, I mean, it was such a clinical counter-attack. Timothy Weir playing a lovely ball in from the right and then the 1-2 between uh, David and Renato Sanchez, just just fantastic. And it shows again, Christophe Gautier getting the choices right. He just sent on Weir and Renato Sanchez. Lille, Dave Top, and, and they're just marching on at the moment. And with David, it's a confidence thing, isn't it? Because if that chance or the one-two had presented itself in October or November, what would have happened? He'd have either taken an extra touch and blazed it over the bar, or he'd have looked for someone else, or have, the, the shot would have been horribly miscued. But... Now everything is going right for him. He's starting to look like the player who is the club record signing. And I, I like his honesty, the, the way he admitted that he was overweight when he joined, that he struggled with the, the first lockdown and he didn't get his match sharpness. And full credit to Galtier and David's Lille teammates for being patient with him, for helping him through this difficult spell in his career. And he's getting the rewards now because no one has scored more in 2021 in Ligue 1 than Jonathan David. And none of us would have predicted that. Uh, just before Christmas. Uh, Galtier is a fantastic man-manager and uh, uh, give him a few months with, with Nicola Pepe at Arsenal and Pepe would be tearing up the Premier League. But that's that's another story for another day. Um, Armel, I heard Christophe Galtier saying that, yeah, the, the longer it was going with Jonathan David, the further away from goal he was going. He was sort of not getting in the positions because his confidence was, was so low. Um, but 
you know, I think Galtier is is very largely responsible for David refinding that form and and that confidence. And uh, you know, if he keeps scoring like this, Lille are going to win the league, aren't they? I hope so. Yeah, it'd be really nice ten years later. But in my um my mildly autistic in depth research that I did. I was looking at um, games that Renault Amor, the Nantes player, would would have played with Jonathan David in the Belgian league. And I noticed that David was playing behind a front two for Genk, so not as a, a striker, which in essence kind of explains the positioning and the, the finishing problems that we were seeing from him in his first six months at the club. That's, ama- oh, that's amazing attention to detail, but it's Ghent, not Genk. See, Otherwise, you're yeah, spot on. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stick to the French football. No, sure. no, no, no. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, uh, and yeah, well, look at the other end of the pitch as well. Four clean sheets in a row. Uh, we've talked a fair bit on the podcast this season about our admiration for both Jose Font and Sven Botman, plus Andre in midfield, who organises that part of the team. Great for them to have Renato Sanchez back. Six wins in a row. But as Galtier says, they're not pulling away because everyone's winning among the top four at the moment. Dave, the guy I'm really enjoying as well at the moment is Bubakari Sumare because it's the first time I think he's really had a long extended run in, in the first team. And it's interesting that Galtier is, is being very patient with Renato Sanchez. He was on the bench again. And when he came on, he played him ahead of Sumare and, and, and Benjamin Andre. And uh, he, Galtier mentioned that he's really had to work hard with Sumare and his positioning and his discipline you know, to play in that central midfield role. He's got to obviously... Uh, be, be, be very disciplined defensively and he seems to have got that but he's got so much composure seems to have so much time on the ball uh, 22 years of age and you know just another quality gem they've got and Newcastle tried to sign him for 40 million a year ago and once that transfer didn't go through I don't think we've seen Sumare play well until this current run and when Newcastle bid that much I thought that it was uh, wildly overpriced as an estimate of his value because of all the things that you've just mentioned that um, he needed to gain in maturity. He needed more game science, as the French like to call it, to, to understand the angles, to understand where to position himself. If he adds that to his technical and physical attributes, then yeah, he's going to be an outstanding player. Yeah, and uh, playing alongside Benjamin Andre m- must help. We had another episode of uh, the Cantor Plus reporter trying to get Benjamin Andre to say that we're going for the title afterwards, and he. Yeah, he spun out this line saying, did you know that in the last the last eight teams to have as many points as Lille at this stage of the season all went to win to win the title? What, you know, what, what do you think, uh, Benjamin? And he said, oh, I think we want to try and win the next game. And he walked off. He's, he's very good. He's very good. Um, well, Lille are, uh, are ahead of Lyon and PSG at the moment. We're going to bring in uh, our Deja Who section. Don't forget, we've got the Depay competition results coming up later as well. But uh, Deja Who, these uh, very uh, tricky uh, riddles concocted by our um, producer Ian Holyman. Last week's was uh, Remy Cabella. Oh no, I was meant to give the, the clue first. Never mind. It, the answer was Remy Cabella. The clue was I'm Corsican by birth, but made my name on the other side of the Mediterranean where I won a League 1 winner's medal in the last decade. After a spell in black and white, I wore blue and white and green. I still wear green now, but not for the same club and not even in France, though I did wear it against the French club this season. It sounds hard like that, but so many of our listeners... Got it right. We need to make it harder. Well done, Richard Pike. Well done, Habib Bar, Ed Scott, Liam Wraith, Chris Mills, Adam Tassone, Adam Cyrilnik, Simon Klopfenstein, Lee Davy, Thomas DeRoy, and Damien Moodley. Now, we're going to make it harder. Ian, I think he has made it a bit harder this week. If you think you know the answer, do email in league1podcast at gmail.com or using the hashtag Le Bourgeois on Twitter. Here we go. Time for Deja Who. I was born in Paris and attended Clairefontaine. 
but I won a league title on the Mediterranean coast. I was once touted as one of the hottest centre-backs in world football. I was compared to Laurent Blanc, who retired from international football just as I made my France debut. I played with John Arnaurisa, Thiago Motta, Sabri Lamouchi, Steve Marley and Carlos Bocanegra. And I played for Louis van Gaal, Alain Perrin, Claude Puel and Roy Hodgson. There you go. Quite a, quite a career he's had. If you know the answer, leave one podcast at gmail.com or hashtag Le Bourgeois on Twitter. Let's move on to the other title contender, um, Leon. I think we need to start talking about four title contenders because Monaco are, are in there as well. But Leon were in action on Saturday. They played at home against Strasbourg and uh, Ian Holyman commentated the action. He's got work to do here as Dubai breaks forward and Kawashima could do absolutely nothing. As Dubai beats him, all ends up. And Leon have the lead already against 10 man Strasbourg. That's a lovely little ball through as well to Toko Akambi, and it's two. Nothing Kawashima could do about that one. Surely this one is going to be for the right foot of Memphis Depay. He goes again, and this time Kawashima can do absolutely nothing. It's a brilliant free kick from the Leon captain. It's Leon three, 10 man Strasbourg nil, and Leon. Roaring back to the top of the Liga Nubarit's table. Armel Memphis Depay getting the job done again 3 0 uh, to Lyon. They went top of the league for around about 24 hours. And um, yeah, another example of Lyon doing what they'd struggled to do in recent years, playing at home against a, a lesser team. Um, Strasbourg were down to 10 men quite early with Adrian Thomason getting, uh, getting a red card. But uh, in the end, it was, it was a straightforward win. Yeah, it seems that way. Uh, Memphis Depay likes playing against Strasbourg, doesn't he? I'm sure, Dave, you'll remember his uh, his return to captaincy at the start of the season where he took them apart in the... It was a 3-0 win as well, wasn't it? Yeah, they, they yeah. totally destroyed them. Yeah. Didn't Strasbourg come back? Wasn't it 3-2? Oh, the, game, the game at the Menno? I switched off at the 60th minute. I thought, done. No, I'm joking. But um, Depay, well, what a free kick that was. Straight, straight in the top corner. Loved it. Might even put a competition out next week if you fancy commentating that. <laughs> no, but a great win for Leon, and I'm just delighted to see them carrying on winning as, as with Lille and, yeah, to a point as with PSG, just to keep this title race nice and spicy. Well, they are doing it incredibly well, Dave, and, uh, you know, we've said before, they do have the quality, don't they, to, to go on and win the league? They do. Uh, also, someone with quality, Jan Santom, our producer, he delayed the entrance date for this to take in that game, knowing that he'd be commentating. I think he wants that shirt. He said, in case Memphis does something Memphis, something really special, which he did as he overtook Karim Benzema in the all-time Leon scorers list. Um, yeah, Leon going really well. And we're starting to see nitpicking, aren't we, in the French press? We're saying, oh, Leon won't win the title because their substitutes aren't scoring goals. It really doesn't matter at the moment. If you're 3-0 up, it doesn't matter. No. Um, but yeah, They've got the depth as well. You know, they're, 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 There's debates about midfield... Always, really, because Paqueta and Auer have maybe dropped off a little, but Paqueta got, got the winner in, in midweek, didn't he? Look, things, things are going great guns. Uh, things are going well for, for Lyon. And no Europe for them. That's and no worth Europe, remembering. No Europe for Lyon and, and for Monaco, who are who are two mm. teams you know, out of the four in the title mix. And just to, to let our listeners know, because even I was a bit confused by that, Jan, Jan Santon. Jan Santon, our, of Ian our producer, Ian Holyman, who Dave calls Jan Santon, so... Got to, you, you've got to be sharp this morning to keep up with, with David Crossan. Leon second, two points uh, behind Lille, one point above Paris Saint-Germain, four points above Monaco. Um, 
We're going to talk about Monaco. I think we need to start talking more about Monaco because it's seven wins in a row now for Niko Kovac's team. Um, they were victorious 4-3 against Nîmes. And quite incredibly, uh, Alexander Golovin, his first start since October, he's had a terrible thigh injury. He's made a few sub appearances. He started for the first time in several months and he scored a hat-trick. We got a question from uh, Naufal Hadiz Auladana from Indonesia who says, uh, I'm just curious of your opinion. If you are Alexander Golovin, do you think about moving to the Premier League? Um, would it be the right time to go next season or do you think staying with Kovac's Monaco is, uh, is a better option? Um, Dave Golovin, uh, Monaco going great guns. Monaco were already uh, you know, six wins in a row before that game, but Golovin gives them another, another option, doesn't he? Terrific finishes as well. I love the second goal, especially as he lashed the ball into the net. First Russian to score a hat-trick in Ligue 1. Um, yeah, I, I was really excited when Golovin joined after the 2018 World Cup and it didn't really happen, did it? We just saw his talent in flashes, but he's produced consistently off the bench and now he's going to start getting more starts uh, now under Niko Kovac, who I think really likes him. His teammates have a lot of affection for him and that was obvious in the post-match comments of Kevin Volland, who was on the score sheet again, because not only did Golovin score the hat-trick, he set up the other goal for the German and... Uh, he seems really well liked there. They know that he's the player that can help them keep this run going. The one major drawback for Monaco is the number of goals that they concede. Where we talked about Lille's uh, four clean sheets in a row, Monaco conceding three goals to Nîmes. That, that's not title-winning form, I'm afraid. No, but are we just being a bit, um, you know, league and mentality? You know, like teams that to plus, win you know, Niko right. Kovac has come in from the Bundesliga, which we know there are always goals in the Bundesliga. And does it matter, you know, if you're winning four three? I mean. Monaco seem to be able to score a, one more goal than their opponents. So what if they're winning 4-3? It's, it's a different approach to Lille, who are you know, keeping clean sheets week in, week out. But yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. And you do wonder if, you know, whether it's you know, Maripan, Sidibe, um, Axel Dissassi, whether these guys are quite good enough to, to, to win a league title at the moment. They've got some big games to come as well this season, I think. Um, we'll have to see how these uh, matches between the top four go. They're going to be crucial with the... Uh, because if they keep beating all of the lesser opposition, then it's that mini-league that's going to decide things. Absolutely. They're playing PSG in, uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, Armel, what do you think? I know you're, you're a fan of Golovin. You got to do a nice long interview with him uh, a year or two ago. He's um, yeah. a wonderful player when he's fit and, mm. and on form. And uh, about as charismatic as my shoe on that day. Um, but he spoke, he spoke in Russian to you, didn't he? So you, he, you were probably struggling it was, to follow it. Was it was an interesting sort of triangle in the, in the interview room because the translator next to me didn't speak English. So I was asking my questions in French. The translator then translated them into Russian. And I just sat there until he finished and waited for the translation to be written up afterwards. But um, yeah, I mean, he wasn't particularly smiley. didn't offer too much. Uh, but, you know, clearly when you're scoring a hat-trick, a few more smiles come about good player good player no doubt about that Monaco will be delighted to have him back and we were talking about depth with uh, Leon and Lille and well when you're able to to bring Golovin in you don't know whether you play Golovin Jovetic Fabregas Voland it's 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 quite incredible to have four teams with such depth and I think it's totally normal that we're seeing Marseille drift away now because they really do not have the depth of those four teams and just before we finish on this game also fantastic foresight from myself patting myself on the head as we speak talking about managers doing planks last season uh, last week sorry because Pascal Planck took over last week at oh, Nîmes, didn't he and I, I didn't know that I, I want to add another footnote to this four-way title battle which is thrilling as always great for the neutral it's great for us observers of Ligue 1 those who work in it and um, to all of those critics who claim that Ligue 1 is negative I say look at the goals for 
of Lyon, Paris Saint-Germain and Monaco. All of them scored more than 50 goals in 24 games. I'll bounce off that. That's 85 goals scored in games that Monaco have played in, whether that's for or against. Mental. I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. So much positivity from David Crossan. I wasn't expecting that this morning after a relatively short night for you, but fair play, Dave. It's obviously the coffee that Robbie Thompson has been feeding you this it's morning. The, the excitement of a four-way title battle. It's absolutely fantastic. And by the way, no one's answered now Fowl's uh, question. Golovin, um, 24 now. He's in his third season at Monaco. He was very close to joining Chelsea, actually, in 2018. Um, in the end, opted for Monaco. What do you think? Should he, should he stay, keep playing under Niko Kovac, Dave? Yeah, he should stay. Um, especially if Monaco get into the Champions League and, and they manage to keep this team together. I know I, I predicted that they'd finish fourth, but with this seven wins in a row, I'm starting to have my doubts about that now. We'll see. This is the thing. One, one team is going to have an amazing season and miss out on a place in the, in the top three. That's what's so tough. And why would you want to leave Ligue 1 for the Premier League? People say we have farmers here, but we also have working VAR. So you're better off playing here. There's far more emotion. I won't even talk about the tax-free salaries and the sunshine. Yeah, Monaco is it's not a bad place to, to spend your career. Now, at the moment, so many listeners have been waiting for. We've been uh, inviting uh, you all to send in your best commentaries of your favourite Memphis Depay moment in Ligue 1. We've had a lot of entries and we've had a lot of fun this morning dissecting them all, listening to them all, giving marks out of 10. Um, overall, I've got to say the standard has been high. And... Uh, Armel Tangi, David Crossan, Robbie Thompson, Andy Scott, Ian Holyman, your positions are under threat as league gun commentators, I tell you. Who commentated this goal originally? It was you, wasn't it, Matt? Can we throw that in after the entries, Ian? Yeah, well, you can, but not everybody is. Com- I think you're talking to the uh, talking about the, the Depay winner against PSG. We had quite a lot of people commentating that. Ah, not, not everybody. Though. Sorry, I apologise. Not everybody, but yeah, that would probably be my sort of standout Depay moment when he... Uh, when he scored that last-minute goal against PSG to beat them. But he scored a last-minute goal at the Velodrome as well, which I had the pleasure of commentating. Yeah. Mm. Do you want to compare my commentary to, to these guys? Patrick See? against Monaco to qualify them for the Champions League? Yeah. No. no, never mind. Let's hear the guys in action. There, there, there are some big moments. So anyway, we've picked up our, our top three. So um, good luck to everybody who wrote in it, uh, uh, who sent their commentaries in. Thank you so much for, for participating. Um, it's great to have so many of you... Um, giving it a shot. Third place, so unlucky. This was a really good piece of commentary. Um, very solid. A lot of enthusiasm. Got the right information across. It's Alex Barker. Well done, Alex. But unfortunately for you, you're, you're, you're third, which is always a frustrating position. Here is Alex's commentary. Lovin Kazawa from PSG. It's been a tight game in the dying minutes now. Can PSG take everything though? But he's giving it away to Neville Fakir. Now it's out to Memphis Depay for Leon. Can they snatch something here in the dying seconds? They can! Memphis Depay has just scored one of the goals of the season for Bruno Genesio's men. The manager's off to celebrate with Anthony Lopez in goal now. The fans have gone berserk. What a sensational finish from the Dutch maestro Memphis Depay. Oh, fantastic stuff, Alex. Well done. Like I say, all, all the right information. The excitement came through and your last second. Brilliant. And uh, I, I like the little chuckle, the incredulity in your voice that Depay had just, uh, had just done that. Now... Um, we got some entries from all over the world, but I felt like um, we should include a bit of French flavour. And we did enjoy this commentary from Francois-Xavier Dufour. Francois-Xavier, thank you so much. Um, this was brilliant. Unfortunately for you, you've come very close, but you haven't quite done enough to get the shirt. Here is uh, Francois-Xavier Dufour commentating on Memphis Depay. 
Come on, we're in the last 30 seconds of this match between Lyon and Paris Saint-Germain. There may be still an opportunity, and now it's Nabil Fekir who gets the ball in the middle of the field. He advances and shifts Memphis Depay on the left. Memphis goes inside and shoots. Memphis, Memphis! It goes in the top corner, and what a brilliant goal from Memphis Depay! Harry Allah is stuck on his line, he couldn't do anything! What a shot from Memphis Depay that allows Lyon to beat Paris Saint-Germain in the last second of the game. The Groupama Stadium is on fire after this goal of Memphis Depay. Well, Francois Xavier, you have uh, an inimitable um, commentary style. I think that was pretty good football commentary. So, merci beaucoup, Francois Xavier. Super stuff. Um, but now we're going to move on to the, to the winner. Um, unanimous vote, because this, this, this was exceptional commentary. So... Many congratulations. The Memphis Departure is heading to, drumroll, Ashton Smith. Well done, Ashton. Let's listen to your commentary of Memphis Depay. Going into the 12th minute now. Here's Monaco. Hit it. Oh, and Cabuari wins it back now. Now we can start a counter-attack. Here he is, dribbling. Good vision up to Hassan Alwa. Into the box. Memphis Depay! And it's a good finish into the bottom left-hand corner. Young puts the goalkeeper. Leon's number 10. Cool and composed finish. Good assist by Alwa there. And here's Memphis Depay going over to the stand, paying tribute to the Netherlands friend and Liverpool captain Virgil van Dijk. What a goal. Absolutely sensational, Ashton. Thanks to your dad, Matt, for, for sending that in. Um, we, we, we thought it was brilliant from start to finish, but particularly enjoyed at the end. What a goal. That was, yeah, real quality, real potential there. I, I understand you're 11 years old. Um, you definitely have, have a future in football commentary. Special mentions to um, some of the other really good entrance, uh, entries. We, we got um, Ray Anu, uh, Nofal Hadiz Auladana, um, really good, really good commentary. I've mentioned Alex Barker already, Reese Aiken and uh, Liam Wraith. You guys were really good, honestly, and it, it was very unlucky that, especially, you know, I like, I, I always like a Scottish accent commentating. You guys were good and very unlucky not to be in the top three. But thank you everybody for participating. The um, the Memphis Depay shirt will be winging its way over to uh, to Ashton Smith. Well, we'll have another competition for you next week, so do stay tuned. Just uh, time now to, to run through all the other uh, scores from the weekend. Lorient getting another win, 1-0 over Rance. That's three wins on the spin for Christophe Pelletier's team. Lens nil, uh, Rennes nil. Uh, Brest getting that win over Bordeaux that Armel uh, mentioned earlier in the pod. Saint-Étienne getting a big win, 1-0 over Metz. Nice, 3-0 victors over Angers. Uh, great to see uh, Nice finally getting a victory. It's been a tough week for them, losing the derby and also losing Jeffrey and Adelaide to a, a really bad knee injury again. Uh, Montpellier, I think they scored three in 13 minutes against Dijon. Ended up winning 4-2. Dijon still in big trouble. And um, yeah, that's it. That's your lot. Let's have a look ahead to next week. We're going to go on a bon voyage. We're going to have a look at uh, which game we want to take in from round 25. So some uh, interesting matches next weekend. PSG versus Nice on Saturday at 5pm. Lyon versus Montpellier. Lyon with uh, a chance then to go back to the top on Saturday night, 9pm in France. You can watch it in the UK, 8pm on BT Sport. Uh, Sunday's games include Monaco against Lorient, 1 o'clock in France. We have Lille against Brest at 5 o'clock in France. Bordeaux against Marseille is the 9pm 
uh, game in France. Watch it on BT Sport. Eight o'clock, Bordeaux, Marseille on the Sunday. You can see UK time, Lille, Brest at four o'clock in the afternoon. Or uh, you could also watch Monaco against Lorient midday while you're having your, your Sunday roast and your, your Yorkshire puddings and stuff. Um, Armel Tangi, where do you fancy going next weekend? Lyon. Um, Gaetan Labor's second goal this weekend was such a beautiful tribute to Hal Robson Carnu's goal against Belgium in the Euro 2016 quarterfinal. One of my favourite goals ever that I might just go and watch Gaetan Labor every week from now on. So I'm going to Leon Montpellier. Armel, closet Wales fan coming closet. out there. Not nah. closet Wales fan, just a Wales fan. Um, yeah, well, okay, good, good shout. Dave, what about yourself? I know I should go to Lille to see Lille against Brest because Brest-Lille was my favourite commentary of the season so far. Brest won 3-2. But I don't know if you boys have seen the long-term weather forecast for this week. It is freezing. I'm really looking forward to my Coupe de France game in uh, Montbéliard on Thursday. Uh, and then so that's why this weekend I'm going to Monaco. Monaco against Lorient. Lorient in form. Uh, they might upset Monaco and there's sunshine. Interesting. I'm going to go uh, locally, just a few kilometres uh, from where I live. I'm going to go to the Parc des Princes, PSG against Nice um, on Saturday afternoon. Not because I want to watch the French champions, but, but because I'm on Saliba watch. No, um, by the way, William Saliba and Jean-Claire Todibo uh, have played two games together and they've looked really, really good. I commentated Nice against Monaco on Wednesday. Nice had quite a few problems but those two centre-backs two young players and looking formidable and they were very good again on Sunday as Nice kept a clean sheet and, and beat Angers so it'll be interesting to see how they get on against Mbappe Neymar etc it'll be interesting to see if Pochettino uh, rotates a bit ahead of the Barcelona game um, but yeah should be should be a good one well we'll look forward to, uh, to the weekend's action we'll be back again uh, of course next week do have a great week um, thank you very much for joining us we'll see you again for another Bourgeois or Le Bourgeois very soon. All the best. Bye-bye. And Vignon, fantastic. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. A goal back. Oh, Vignetta, beautifully done.